Good evening, Seattle and Little Saigon. Good evening to New York City. Good evening to Philadelphia and Boston. Shit. Good evening to the people living in Alaska. To the various tribes within the jungles that are still left on planet Earth. There aren't many of those left, are there? Good evening. Good evening to all those folks who wonder why it is I'm podcasting again. Well, I'll tell you. I'll tell you. It's to... Yeah. It's Saturday night, 9.20 p.m. here in Seattle, Washington, Pacific Standard Time. January what? Can you believe it? January the fucking 4th, 2020. 2020. Can you fucking believe this bullshit? Can you believe it? So, uh, a person I met recently, I don't know if I have a right to call him a friend yet, because friendship takes time, but a person, an acquaintance, an ally in the pursuit of truth, met this person for lunch. And as a Christmas present, this person gave me a bottle of vodka. Uh, Now... There's a reason why I drink beer. Beer keeps me within a box, a box labeled some level of control. It's not proper self-control, but it's a kind of control. But the whiskey and the vodka, that is a dark, dark, dark dimensional transformation of the self. But... You know, waste not, want not. And the thing is, this was a pretty cool dude. So it seems disrespectful to not drink the vodka. So yeah, I've been drinking some vodka tonight. And I thought, why not podcast a little and drink a little vodka and talk about some shit. That's kind of fucking crazy. Hmm. Yep, just plain ass, room temperature, room temperature, plain ass, fucking vodka, fuck. Can you see the windows of time laid out before you as if they were windows pointing towards an unlimited future of choices. Can you see the torsional vortex of causality chains looping in upon themselves because of your own failures? Can you see the future? Do you know if the stock market will reach 50 billion? Do you know if we will go to war with Iran and lay waste to the mullahs? Do you know? What do you know, buddy? What do you think you know about the world, about how it works, buddy? 
Do you think you're knowledgeable about the science of fantasticry? Do you understand that there are layers of existence that are so invisible to the naked eye that you can only see them while you're high? Are you content with a level of drinking that doesn't, that doesn't involve vodka? That's what I want to know, fucker. Fuck. Let's get a little more vodka in me. Oh, yeah, I'm multitasking. Low oil prices. I'm going to say something that's going to sound crazy because it won't make any sense, but you're going to have to think about this. An upside-down, sideways, Death Star America. Low oil prices are probably bad. Now you're saying, Dan, have you been smoking crack cocaine? No, I haven't been smoking crack cocaine, not since a few years ago. Not since I hung out with the weird freaks down off of 4th Street. Not since I was cleaning dishes at old Bob's Nighty Club not far from the Gumbus Queen. Yeah, I haven't been doing crack cocaine for a while. <laughs> yeah, let's have another drink of vodka. <laughs> I'm kidding, right? No, I'm not. Hmm. Nothing like old grandpa's pomegranate vodka to remind you that the, t the current topic is oil prices, low oil prices are bad. Now, I don't mean this in absolute terms. Like, when you take basic economics, like basic microeconomics, and you study supply and demand curves, there is this concept that... Um, that you should talk about called an equilibrium price or a clearing price. And, and this is the price at which, you know, the cost function and the price function intersect. And this is a good thing. This is the, this is the place where the suppliers, you know, the suppliers and the consumers, um, they're all kind of happy and everyone gets what they need. And that point can change. It can change based on supply and it can also change based on the way stuff is produced. And there are other factors as well. Economics is not really a science the way that physics is. Let's just get that out of the way. If you think economics is, oh, well, economics is a mathematical science. Uh, most of the math in economics is designed to sell bullshit. Or rather, most of the math in economics is really about fraud, in my opinion. Um, the, the reality is there are probably very few people on planet Earth today who are actually practicing economics like a science. Most um, simply have a grab bag of what they think are true and kind of folk psychology and popular opinion and a lot of Doritos for the brain, but not necessarily anything with any nutritional value. 
That is my own belief on the economist in the 21st century. They are really propaganda tools um, for the most part. Some of them are still honest. There's one or two. And I think there are a lot of Austrians out there who really want to fight the brave fight for free enterprise. But the problem is there are a lot of fucking people in the free enterprise movement who've kind of tarnished themselves in the sense that they've given into this idea that, you know, you can call it the General Pinochet meme, this idea that, well, General Pinochet hates communists, therefore General Pinochet is our friend. And it doesn't really work that way. General Pinochet can hate communists, and he can hate you at the same fucking time. He's that fucking... Well, he's no longer alive, right? But when he was alive, believe me, he could hate communists, and he could kill you and your family while you were sleeping at the same time, and he would still have time for his 17 hookers. That is the truth about General Pinochet. So yeah, there are a lot of people in the freedom movement, quote unquote, these days, who have taken up sides with their own favorite dictators because they think they have no choice. And what I'm saying is you have a choice. Now, let me repeat this. It's going to sound crazy, absolutely insane. But we are at a point in American history and probably human history where oil prices are really too low. They're too low. I mean, at the, at where they're at right now, the producers really can't make money. And this is, this is bare-bones production, folks. These are contracts where frackers are going into communities. They're getting friendship contracts. They're not held responsible for any environmental damage. They don't have to fix the fucking roads. They can do a lot of fucking damage to a community and not be held accountable, and they don't have to pay for shit. So when we say the current cost of production it's already leaving out a lot of fucking shit, a lot of remediation. I don't think most Americans understand what kind of an environmental catastrophe this shit is yet, but we will understand when, when it no longer is able to make any money. It's not really right now, but we'll understand when it's over because then we'll, then we'll see it for what it is and yeah, you're not gonna be happy. You will not be happy. But that being said, whether it's our fracking, the tar sands in Alberta, or any other unconventional oil plays, or what are called marginal oil plays on planet Earth. They're considered marginal because it's hard to make money, okay? You know, this fracking stuff, they knew about this oil for the last 100 years, folks. They knew how much oil was there. They also knew that there was no economic way to make money recovering it. Now, yeah, technology did change. And so there was a period of time in the early 2000s where a lot of people made a lot of money off of fracking for natural gas and oil, and people did make money. Um, but overall, it's kind of a dead end. So here's the deal. What if, and I'm going to drink some vodka here. Mm. What if... Part of the reason, and I mentioned this before in a podcast, so it's going to be reiterated. So don't be pissed if you say, I heard you say this yesterday or a few hours ago. What are you, drunk, Uncle Dan? Yeah, I'm drunk. Drunk off of, you know, the love of the world, right? Yeah. <laughs> 
Yeah, I, I don't know, folks. Here's the deal. What if one of the reasons for wanting to turn up the temperature in the Middle East, for wanting to even potentially go to war with Iran, is to save a lot of really bad financial investments in fracking and, and, tar, and tar sands and related pipelines and logistics. I mean, what if the real purpose here is to reinvigorate um, the fracking and the tar sands? And, you, and, and this also includes the dangerous offshore drilling. You know, the, all technically all offshore drilling is basically marginal oil. But there's been offshore drilling that wasn't so difficult, where the water wasn't that deep. The stuff that they want to do now at this point in human history is, you know, five, six, seven miles below the surface of the ocean. So there's really no way to deal with an event. If you cause an event seven miles below the surface of the ocean, there's not a way to solve that really. And this is something where the oil companies are just lying. If they tell you they can solve it, they're lying. Deep Horizon was not an exception. That's what's going to happen in a lot of cases, just FYI. But anyways, what if, what if, you know, a little war with Iran goes a long ways? What if it helps reinvigorate the, the, the oil patch? Because here's the deal, right now at, you know, 50 to $60 a barrel, these companies don't make money. They basically go deeper into debt and it's only gonna get worse. I mean, this is a slow grind to nowhere, okay? Yeah, you know, you could say, well, damn, we're always going to have demand for oil at a certain price. You will. But currently, the, the price that people want to pay is too fucking low. So what if what you really need is a price increase for oil? Now, here's the sad truth. It does impact everything else. You can't have it not do that. Um, the, the, the oil, the fuel, the energy, the chemicals, these things are in every product you buy. So yeah, if the price of oil went up significantly, yeah, inflation probably goes up for everything. Food, water, shelter, everything probably goes up the next time you have to pay for it. And that's not so great. But the problem is at the current price, these oil companies are going to go bankrupt. There's no way to make it work. People are not gonna give them money. I mean, right now you could say, well, Dan, can't they just use the crooked system to keep paying for it? And I think that's true. I mean, in theory, in theory, you could do that. Like one of the angles here might be, don't have the price increase, just have the Fed come in and formally backstop um, all these oil investments, all the junk bonds, everything else. That could be one of the plays here. So it, it doesn't, so the war with Iran doesn't become an excuse for raising prices. The war with Iran becomes an excuse for the Fed to step in and, and Trump to step in and say, you know what, it's not nationalization, it's not General Motors revisited, but we're gonna give a little cash injection to the, to the fracking and the tar sands and the oil so we can ride this out together, ride this out as Canadians and Americans and Mexicans, you know. And so that could also be the play here, is to get money, cash money, to cover all these really bad investments. And this is also a potential backdoor for the pension funds. Like this is a, this is a way you can potentially backdoor a lot of money into pension funds that are probably not doing so fucking great at this point. 
And when I say not so great, I'm not talking about the fact that the stock market is so incredibly huge. That's not my point. The stock market itself is doing great, but these pension funds aren't necessarily doing great. They're, they're really separate issues. And there's a limit to how much juice you can get from just portfolio inflation. Um, and I don't even know if what we can what we call the stock market is anything real um, at all at this point. It, it too has become really just a cash vehicle. The, the actual items that are traded probably don't exist, which means that there's probably no real chain of ownership. So if you have a 401k or a fucking ETF or a spider or some weird ass fund that's a market basket of common stocks, blah, 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 from day to day, your fund might have a value and it might go up, might go down, who knows. But the actual stocks that underpin that value probably have no legal relationship to anything going on. And it's entirely possible that you have a situation with a stock market where two or more people in many cases will claim ownership to the same stock. Or really two or more, two or more different institutions. That's how bad that could be. So when people talk about, we'll say, well, Dan, what about the stock market going up? It's like, yeah, it's true. It's true. Portfolio inflation is real and the stock market does keep going up. But what does that really mean? Does that mean there's all this extra money or does that mean that the stock market itself is an inflated casino? Because I think it's the latter, not the former. I don't think there's any real money there. Or let me put it this way. There's a little bit of money the Fed will create um, to juice the stock market. And let's say the Fed prints one buck to juice the stock market. Maybe they get five bucks of effect. So yeah, there's, a, there's one buck of make-believe, but then there's four bucks of what? You know, what's the other four bucks? Is that real? Or is that also just basically four times make-believe? You see, that's the thing. I think it's four times make-believe. And, and because there's no easy way to adjudicate fundamental ownership, especially during a financial crisis, I'm not really sure if this ever gets fixed, but as long as it's functioning, it does seem to do something. It does seem to create a kind of confidence amongst people. It's sort of psychological. In a lot of ways, maybe its main purpose is to be almost like a religious symbol that flashes, you know, flashes at night or in the morning. You know, like some icon on a mountaintop, something you can look up to and say, everything's fine because I see the stone, the stone, I see the stone wise man on the mountaintop flashing, red, flashing green, flashing colors. It's there watching out for us watching out for us. It's going to watch out for you and me and everybody. Everyone's going to be okay because the wise stone statue man on the mountain is turning colors. Everything's going to be fine. So there's the conundrum. You either raise the price of oil or you figure out a way to get a lot of fucking money into these companies so that this bullshit can continue. And either of those is possible, but I think a war with Iran makes either one of those much more likely and maybe even just simply, you know, just not so hard to make happen. I don't know. 
So yeah, I say the price of oil is too low right now, but a lot of people cringe and they say, well, Dan, that's horrible. It's like, yeah, I'm being honest. And here's the other thing too. If they do this backdoor fucking, more of this backdoor quantitative easing, or let's just call it more of this money printing, and they keep flooding it to places that have closer connections to the consumer economy and not just black holes of derivatives chains and credit default swaps, which are really just you know, singularities and, and they're just sucking in everything, including light. No, what if this money goes to a part of the economy that's closer to the circulatory system, closer to the heart? What happens then? And this feeds into the crack-up boom scenario, folks. I'm telling you, even though in the great discontinuity, probab probability shift from day to day, let me get some vodka. Even though during the great discontinuity, probabilities can shift from day to day. I mean, the current state you're on, the current spot you're on could be 85%. And then tomorrow you wake up and your state probability is 5% and there's a state next door that's 75% and you're instantly transported there and you have to say goodbye to yesterday. So probabilities will change rapidly on us. That's something we have to accept and I'm sorry, but it's just the truth. However, um, I do think the situation with Iran potentially could feed a crack up boom assuming the situation with Iran doesn't get too out of control. The thing that people don't get is that even though Iraq, Iraq was kind of a disaster, um, we did learn some stuff and I think our military became more systematically brutal. And even though I'm not proud of it, none of us should be, being systematically brutal when you're fighting um, partisans or guerrillas um, that's what you kind of have to be if you want to win. A lot of this fucking hearts and minds nonsense? <laughs> no. No, the Mongols were successful because they never believed in hearts and minds bullshit. Now, it's true, the Mongol hordes will, would make interesting and creative peace with their enemies once a war was over, once a battle was over. But there was none of this like, you know, we'll meet you halfway and we'll all be gentlemen on the battlefield. No, you win or you lose. And, and, and as far as like the partisan, you know, they dealt with it. They had Chinese in the empire, uh, in the Mongol empire, that would rise up periodically against the Mongols. And you know what? They dealt with it harshly, brutally. That's what they did. And when it comes to guerrillas, that's, that is the truth. I'm not... Listen, I'm an anarchist, so on a fundamental level, I'm on the, front, the side of the guerrillas. But I also know that the hearts and mind battle only works if you, in fact, are on the good side. But we're not on the good side here, okay? We're not going to convince people that we're the heroes. We're not. So the only way we can win, if we're not the heroes, is to, is to fucking, to be honest with you, you have to embrace being the fucking villain. And, and I don't like it. It's bullshit. It's evil. It's dark. And it's probably what's going on right now. So yeah, I think a nice little war with Iran, um, using the several divisions we have already pre-positioned there, um, a nice little brutal, terrible war with Iran, where most Americans can get their, you know, their freeze-dried, steam-cleaned, 
fucking dry clean bullshit from CNN or Fox News and CNN can tell tell you that CNN can say, you know what? That we don't really love this war. And we hate that Trump guy. Don't we hate that Trump guy? But we support the troops and, and, and ergo we support the war. And we love Israel. Oh, look at this little this little old lady in, in Jerusalem. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and then we have our nice little war with Iran. And I think the Russians and the Chinese mostly stay out of it because from their perspective, we're simply hanging ourselves. And we probably are. But the, the process of destruction might not be that clear and that straightforward. I mean, I think that we're currently burning fumes, but what the fuck do I know? I'm not in a position to tell you the state of the car. Okay, I am so far below that level, like most of you, all I can tell you is the state of the undercarriage. I can tell you the underneath of the car is dirty as fuck. I can tell you that there are mangled bodies stuck in the wheel wells. I can tell you that there are broken dreams and broken homes and villages and weddings and funerals. I can tell you there are piles of radioactive material hidden in the undercarriage. But I really can't tell you how much gas is left. I can't tell you for sure which direction we're heading. I live in the undercarriage. I live under the fucking car. Just like most of you. So I don't know, folks, but yeah, like I said, oil prices are too low. Um, there is no clearing price for them right now. There really is no proper clearing price. You can say there is, but what, we were, what we're really seeing is companies going deeper into debt and the nation going deeper into debt. So there is really no clearing price for oil right now. There's simply a lot of oil that's being produced without profit, without making any money at all, really. There's a lot of oil being produced and a lot of debt being produced. Next topic. You know what Dr. Grunkus says, just to sort of a segue to the next topic. You know what Dr. Grunkus, my primary care physician in Little Saigon, often says? He says, Dan, alcohol clean, cleans the wounds of the soul. He says, Dan, alcohol cleans the wounds of the soul, but toilet cleaner washes the wounds of the body. Now, you all probably think, think that's crazy. You're saying, Dan, if you have an open wound on your body, it is probably horrible to irrigate that wound with some sort of Clorox Sentiva um, toilet cleaning foam. You probably say, Dan, it's toxic. You'll, you'll go into shock. You'll, you'll, you'll fucking die painfully if you keep doing this shit. And all I can say is, I do it because my doctor says it's the right thing to do. Just like when your doctor says, 
oh, your, your newborn baby needs 20 different vaccines, including a vaccination against an STD. Hmm, that makes sense. Yeah, you, you give that newborn baby the 50 vaccines, and you know what? You don't ask too many fucking questions, do you? So why should I ask questions about rubbing toilet cleaner into my open wounds? Why would you even judge me there? You normies, they tell you, oh, fat is bad, carbs are good. They tell you about 20 years ago, fat is bad, fat is bad, animal fat is real bad, but carbs are good. What if that was total bullshit? What if that was total fucking crap? What if all the diabetes and obesity, what if a lot of that is related to this bullshit lie that it's all about you just eat carbs? And the whole low-fat diet, what if that was toxic? Dr. Grunk has said to me at my last visit, Dan, alcohol cleans the wounds of the soul, toilet cleaner washes the wounds of the body. I know this seems like madness, people. I know it seems like madness. I know, Dr. Grunkus, you say to yourself, why would you see a physician like that? Why would you see a doctor, and, and especially if his last name was Grunkus, it's like, why would you see anybody named Grunkus, Dan? Why would you do it? Why'd you do it? Why did you do it? But Dr. Grunkus learned to be a doctor in a country He learned his medical skills and a doc to be a doctor in a nation that was actually an island nation in a giant lake. In the mouth of a volcano on an island in the Pacific. And when the volcano exploded, it exploded the island nation that was in its mouth in the giant lake into the sky and all evidence of the medical school and the medical license and all the medical pollutory and chicanery was lost for Dr. Grunkus. And now he's forced to practice medicine at midnight on Thursdays 
in Little Saigon using candlelight. That's pretty fucking green if you ask me, Greta. In fact, if Greta was really as green as she says she is, she'd come down to Little Saigon on Thursday nights. She'd let Dr. Grunkus, you know, she'd let Dr. Grunkus use his technology. Yeah. Next topic. seems to have an article just about every week now, maybe almost daily, an article that's almost daily about Baltimore. And Baltimore looks like it's not doing so great. I get a little bit more vodka there. Baltimore does look like it's in a bad place. And um, this article, which will be posted with the podcast in the description, the link to it, This article deals with Baltimore County, or the county surrounding the city. So this is the wider region around the city of Baltimore that is already kind of, you know, a human train wreck, a kind of catastrophe. Yeah, maybe, I don't know. It could be a lot worse, folks. I don't know what I trust about any of the numbers, any of the data, any of the shit they tell me. I don't know what I trust. I really don't. If they tell me that 500 people, let's say, were killed in Baltimore last year, and and that's not the number, so don't quote me. I think the number's less than that. But let's say it was 500 people killed in Baltimore last year. It could easily be three times that number. You know, there's a lot of lying and deception when it comes to stuff like this. People don't understand that there's a nasty connection between property taxes, um, home property value, and uniform crime reporting. You don't want to believe it because you don't want to think about it, but the fact is property taxes go down the more honest you are about uniform crime reporting. Point in fact, point in case, case in point. This particular article ends with a statement like, stay out of Baltimore. Kids, whatever you do, stay away from Baltimore. You're gonna get butt raped in Baltimore, your dog's gonna get eaten in Baltimore, your family will be set on fire in Baltimore, stay the fuck out of Baltimore, you motherfucker, your car will be set alight, you'll get into a machine gun fight, people with chainsaws will chase you through the night in Baltimore, 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 yeah, (laughs) 
That's going to be a musical one day. If I ever get off my ass and start really writing again. I know there's a musical called Maroads I need to write. Maroads! Who's going to build the roads? That's a musical that writes itself, really. And, then, and of course, there's another musical I'd like to do called Come to Seattle, because I think that one writes itself, too. But yeah, maybe there's a musical I'd love to do one day, and I need to find someone to work with. I don't think I can do this by myself. But if I could find a partner in crime, the perfect musical and the perfect title, Baltimore. Can you imagine a musical about Baltimore? Can you imagine the dancing and the frolicking in the musical called Baltimore? Can you imagine? Will you travel with me to that land of impossibilicus? I'm gonna have a little bit more vodka. Yeah, I don't know, folks. I don't know. Here's the thing, though. You have to understand this, too. If you are honest, if you tell the truth, if you say our city is turning to shit, stay away, stay away, stay away, people start to leave. And this is the sad truth of things, folks. If you have a community that has been so badly managed that living in the community puts your life at risk, I, I can't tell you what the right answer is, but I'm not sure there is one. You stay, you've got problems. You leave, the city has problems. And if everybody leaves, then Baltimore basically collapses into nothing. And I know there are a lot of people that read Zero Head say, well, I live in up-the-butt Texas, or I live in Gombulet, Arizona. I, I live in a place where I got guns and whiskey and dried beans, dried rice, dried ammo, and a real wet woman. You can say all this, and that's fine, but folks... Most of you live near places that are probably close to becoming Baltimore if they are not already. And, and I know, maybe not as bad. But the thing is, maybe they're reporting it more honestly because, frankly, most of the money is left. I'm telling you, folks, people that are involved in real estate, they don't like to tell the truth. If there's a, a hole in the ceiling, if there's a problem with the pipes or whatnot, if there's a bathroom issue or some type of terrible murder occurred in the bedroom, it's not likely your realtor will tell you unless they have to. And yeah, you can say, well, aren't they required by law to report all kinds of issues? You know what? You people and your fucking required by law bullshit in this no rule of law America are so fucking cute. There is no rule of law. There might not have been one my whole life. If there is law today, it mostly punishes poor people for being poor. That's kind of how the law works. If you have money, for the most part, you avoid the law with very, very few fucking exceptions. And usually they're very theatrical and they have some other fucking purpose. Tell me, did Jussie Smollett go to jail because he tried to start a race war in Chicago? Did he? Did Jussie Smollett go to jail? No. Will he go to jail? No. None of these people go to jail unless they really want to. That's the thing.
In fact, I think it's funny. Isn't that a line from, like, Goodfellas? When, you know, the wife of the main character asks her husband, will you ever go to jail? And his response is, listen, those guys go to jail because, you know, they want to. They're sick of their wives. They're sick of their families. They're sick of the bullshit at home. They go to jail because they want to. Well, here's what I'll say. The rich people go to jail usually because they want to. Anywho, I don't know what to say about Baltimore, but the, the main issue is this. The more people that have resources that leave, the more people with good jobs that leave, the more people with talent, and that's what's important, people with talent. It's not just people with good jobs. The jobs will stay. But if the talent goes and you can't find talent, those companies go away. They can't work there. And if you're saying, well, won't, won't people move in from India or China? Sure. One solution to Baltimore is open up the floodgates to H-1B visa. I'm serious. You could make billions or gorillions more money than you can imagine if you just open the floodgates to Russians and Chinese and Indians and Pakistanis. But that's not going to happen either. Because, well, two reasons at least. One, it doesn't fit the narrative. It, and, and there would be a culture clash. In fact, probably that would trigger a race war uh, of sorts. And number two, um, the people who run things there, they don't actually want to fix stuff, I don't think. I don't think they want solutions. And I'm not a fan of H-1B visa, folks. I think it's a terrible program. But if someone were to say, if people are leaving Baltimore, how do you fix that? Well, there's no way to fix it, really. Okay, that's the that's the whole the you know the the chickens have already left the coop. You know, you can you can make whatever coop you want to, but if you don't force people to stay there, they won't stay. And I don't listen. I'm an anarchist. I don't want governments doing shit. The reason why we're in this fucking mess. Guess what? Newsflash: the fucking government. But also, let's also say this about the community of Baltimore. It could implode for two reasons. One, because of the crime, and two, because people leave. And they take their talent and their money and their resources and they go. And this is a cautionary tale to every fucking municipality, every city, every state, everywhere in the country. You know, all the fucking cronies, all the scumbags, this is a message, a warning to you. You can be cronies and you can fuck things up to a point. But if you fuck things up to the point that people's lives are basically at risk every fucking day, they will leave and all your fucking schemes will crumble. Now, it's possible that these people don't care because they just moved their operations to another city. And I suspect that's what's going on. So Baltimore has been selected for a... A, an exceptional level of honesty. But I kind of think that if you dug deep into just about every city in this country right now, you would find a lot more murders than are being reported. And I'm sorry, just being honest, okay? I, I'm not saying, oh God, you're saying all the cops are crooked. Listen, everybody's crooked on the Death Star. 
okay? You know that famous conversation? I think it's from that movie Clerks where they're talking about what about all the ordinary fucking people on the Death Star? And that might have been from Mallrats. But the point is, that interesting conversation, you know, weren't there ordinary people on the Death Star? And didn't they get killed? Well, you know what, guys? Here's the deal. If you take a job, um, I don't care if it's you and your family or just you and your fucking French Bulldog. If you take a job on the Death Star, if you stay living on the Death Star, if you have an opportunity to move away from the Death Star, but you stay there, then you kind of have to take the whole fucking thing with you. I mean, it's, it's partly your game, too. And you're not innocent. There's no innocence in this. There isn't. You can blame cops, and, and uh, listen, I don't like cops, but you can blame cops all you want to. Most of the cops are probably just doing a fucking job on the Death Star, like the rest of us. Just a thought. But do I think there is an incentive to lie about criminal statistics in many cities in this country? Not only is there an incentive, there's probably a hidden handshake, a hidden, you know, a little wink, 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 wink. Those numbers are too high. We don't, we want half those numbers next month. Or we look for another police commissioner, right? Or police chief. Next topic. This one's bad. topic somebody some kid some kid for christmas got a waffle maker a waffle maker from their ma and their pa or something it's very sad some kid for christmas got a waffle maker from their ma or their pa using the amazon marketplace technology they were on Amazon using a marketplace seller. They were buying a waffle maker for their beautiful child for Christmas. Don't you care about Christmas, motherfucker? They were buying a waffle maker for their kid. And when they opened it up, when the kid opened the present on Christmas fucking day, when the kid opened the goddamn box... And then the kid opened the fucking waffle to open up the fucking lid. There was a nasty-ass, burn-ass, dried-out, totally decomposed and gombulated waffle left in there. They were told it was a brand-new waffle maker. They were told it was a waffle maker that was fresh and clean and new. They were told it was a waffle maker that would set their children's life a fancy. They were told it was a waffle maker without precedent, without limit, that would provide waffles for all time. But instead, when the child opened the gift on Christmas morn, 
What she saw inside was a horror to the eyes. What she saw was an old nasty-ass waffle left inside, covered in spider eggs. <laughs> I don't know about the spider eggs, folks, but I'm going to have a little more vodka before we deconstruct this one. Here's the deal. You know, um, nothing's perfect. So I don't even know if this is a story that's worth talking about. Someone's going to say, I ordered a fucking thing from Bombiac. I ordered it from Bombiac. I used Amazon recommended merchants. They told me that this seller had good shit from the Bombiac. And instead, I got a Glumbus cream. I rubbed it on my Bombus. Oh, how it hurts down there now. It hurts terribly now. Okay, listen. You're going to buy shit in this life. Like, you're going to go to the fucking, the fucking grocery store. And you're going to get some fucking dinty more ass fucking beef stew. And you're going to open up that can one fucking Saturday morning in November. You've got some fucking German movie on fucking download. Probably, you know, maybe the, maybe the Battle of the Bald shit. And you're getting all into some World War II crap. And you're going to eat some Dinty Moore stew in homage. And you crack open that Dinty Moore stew. You crack it open. What do you find inside? What do you find inside the Dinty Moore? Yeah, a big old chunk of plastic... Um, scrubbing material stuff that was used to scrub the vats probably a chunk of rat a chunk of roach maybe a fingernail and of course when I was a kid you know it was oft told that you gotta be careful around Easter you get that Easter basket, the, the Trisket, the Tasket, the thing for the Easter bonnet upon it. You get that plastic pre-made Easter basket from China. <laughs> I don't know if it came from China. It might have. But you'll hear the horror story. I got my Easter basket Easter day. Easter morning I woke up and got my Catholic Easter basket. ants inside there were ants in my Easter basket now the ants are covering my body I'm covered in ants I'm covered in ant feces and ants because my Easter basket Easter fucking chocolate basket my bunny basket had, had ant and spider eggs and cockroaches and little fucking mice, dead mice in it. There was a dead mouse in my chocolate rabbit. There was a bit of scrubbing material in my Dinty Moore stew. There was an old crusty waffle in my Amazon Marketplace cellar 
supposedly brand new waffle maker. It's really sad. It's sad. It is the saddest thing I can imagine. Now, folks, I'm not defending shoddy businesses, okay? I'm not defending bullshit. I'm not defending low quality. That isn't even remotely the point of this little... You know, I'm going to have some more vodka here. But here's the deal. Shit happens. And in terms of logistics and manufacturing these days, holy fuck. Do you want to know how many dirty little fingers has have, have touched your food? Do you want to really know how many dirty, E. coli-covered, masturbational, fucking STDs, crabs, fucking gonorrhea fingers have touched your food before you eat it? Do you really want to fucking know? And you can say, well, my food is recommended by the Food and Drug Administration and the Agricultural Department checks the meat. Well, maybe. I really don't know. I mean, I just don't know. I don't know that when you go to buy a can of food someplace, for example, well, I don't buy canned food. Okay. What I don't know is when you buy your organic celery, if that organic celery is actually fucking organic? Or is it a fucking lie? Unless you go to the farm yourself, and you first need to have a good definition of what organic means, how do you know the food you eat is organic? How do you really know? So yeah, I don't know what to say about the story about the kid and the waffle maker and the, the chunked up, dried up waffle that was left inside. It sounds really terrible and bogus and, and it's bullshit, but is it really that newsworthy? I don't know. I did think it was funny though, because I've, I've had Dinty Moore stew before. And I found, you know, a plastic chunk of, of basically a scrubbing, a plastic scrubber. You know, like the plastic scrubbers you can buy at the store for scrubbing a pot? Well, it basically looked like a chunk of industrial scrubbing material for scrubbing the inside of the vat where they make the Dinty Moore stew. And the fact is, all kinds of shit drops into the vat. All kinds of stuff ends up inside of the vat. There's all kinds of fucking turds and snot and blood and cum, semen, ends up in the vat. And you want to tell me about organic? There ain't no organic. If you enjoy this podcast... I believe that you should be recommended for psychiatric observation. Just kidding, right? If you enjoy this podcast, if you enjoy this podcast and you want to support me, there'll be a link to Venmo, 
or PayPal in the description of this fucking podcast. And there's also links to Venmo and PayPal on my SoundCloud homepage. And you're not required to donate. You know, and, and I'm the only reason why I bring this up at the end every time is because, well, it kind of makes sense. But you're not required to donate. Um, if you want to donate, you can. If you can't afford to, that's okay too. Please make sure you take care of your food, your water, your shelter, your cats, your dogs, the people you love. Do those things first. And if you have money left over, donate to Crazy Uncle Dan and Little Saigon. Donate to a drifter. Donate to a hobo chief. Donate to a, a ruler of the streets. Donate to the captain of the Tennille. You can donate if you want to. But you don't have to.